Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, February 17th. And John, I have a question for you. Oh, no. Little game of would you rather. (laughs) Would you rather Uh be forced... Um, Clockwork Orange style to watch the remainder of this Michigan State basketball season or get hit by a bus. Oh, my God. Uh, Okay. Can I answer that with a story? Absolutely. Okay. There was a colleague of mine. I work in Chicago, and she actually got hit by a bus. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't laugh, but whoops. (laughs) And she was crossing the street. There are cameras everywhere, so it showed that the bus was in the wrong. And they, like, went through a yellow and, like, hit her in the crosswalk. (laughs) Like, shattered her collarbone, broken, like, rib cage, whatever. Just a mess. And she has to go to the hospital, obviously. And then from the hospital the next day, emails the entire company all everyone and is like because she couldn't communicate with anyone was like where is she you know and no one knew she's like i i am out of the office i got hit by a bus i'd appreciate if no one ever made the joke again about being sung so hung over they felt like they've been hit by a bus because it's nothing like that it is much worse <laughs> So with that, I'm oh. gonna go with I'm gonna go with um, watch these games, but I'd like the opportunity to change my mind um, soon. Yeah. I'll give you like a three game opt out clause. Uh, you could change your mind after three games, but if not, you're watching them all. Um, good God. That's really all I have to say. Let's just let's just dive right in, and then we'll talk about the long-term ramifications, all of that good stuff, because there's plenty to get to. Okay. Um, so, since we last spoke to you, Michigan State, this is going to shock you, has lost two more basketball games. The winning streak uh, did not continue. Dude, in, two, two games it, is a streak. Uh, it's true. It was technically a streak, and not only did it not continue, it came to just a screeching halt. Like 
playing against Iowa, which was probably happening while you were listening to this podcast last week, or maybe it was day. I don't know. I don't know days anymore. Um, no, that was this weekend. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Michigan State got the doors blown off of them by Iowa. This is what happens when Iowa hits shots. They just beat the crap out of bad teams, which is, make no mistake, what Michigan State is. Um, Can I talk about that for a second? Please do. <laughs> what happened to the game plan last year and where it was like you don't double Garza? It's a math, it's a math equation. I understand we had Xavier Tillman. But Garza's still going to get, like, and Tillman made it much easier. Don't get me wrong. But you don't double him. You let him eat, and he's going to make 50 to 60% of his shots. But that is better than doubling and allowing Iowa to hit, what, like like 15 threes or 600, something? 700, well, I don't know, somewhere around there. And that's not a new game plan. Like, the Big Ten has been running that play, and it's the reason why Iowa can't ever win a Big Ten championship because they don't know how to adjust. Like, and it, like that is the most mind-boggling thing to me, is, like, MSU played Iowa already once and lost by six. Played, played and didn't double Garza every time. They didn't do it. And right. then they were like, you know what we should do? Let's try something else. That we know won't work. <laughs> and lose my 30. 30. You know what? It reminds me of Arrested Development. Yeah. When yes. uh, Tobias Funke is sitting there and he's speaking to his wife and he says something about, um, well, we could try a trial separation. And, and then is what Lindsay's like, does that ever does that work for people? Because no, of course not. That never works. <laughs> but it might work for us. <laughs> that seems to me like the exact conversation all of these coaches were having with each other before this game. Like, hey, we know this isn't good, but incredible. What if it does work? It just I I don't know. And that's the stuff. And let's talk about Purdue, too. What do, what do you know? A rock fight at Mackey, a place Michigan State has not won, John, as you pointed out to me before we got on here, since 2014, a long time ago, mm. against some not great Purdue teams mm-hmm. in that span. Um, MSU, once again, just with with no answers, total no-show from Rocket, who was sick. I'll give – okay. They don't that. play. They don't play. Right. A complete, uh, an almost literal no show from Marcus Bingham, who I don't believe registered a stat aside from uh, fouls. Okay. I want to get on the board. He was so close to a uh, three trillion. And if you're unfamiliar with trillions, uh, Mark Titus, legendary uh, walk on at Ohio State, um, once quoted as saying before the national championship game to head coach Thad Mata. Walking up to him right before tip-off and saying, Coach, I got five fouls and I can't take them home with me. And I can't imagine hearing that from a walk-on right before tip-off of the national championship. <laughs> like, Talk about an icebreaker. Get the F out of here. But I, but anyway, he, read, he came up with the term trillions because if you play minutes and don't register any stats, then that is a trillion. He went for a three trillion, three minutes, but he did get a block. And um, mm. 
He also registers three fouls in those three minutes, which is incredible stuff. Um, regardless, sure, he didn't show up. Um, let's see, who else didn't show up? Um, boy, there was some guys who didn't show up and th- who did show up and then weren't allowed to play in the second half. Mattis Isoko played his best half of his best basketball we've ever seen him play. He was rewarded with not playing in the second half. Uh, Julius Marble played the best basketball he's played this year outside of the Duke game. He played for less than, I think he played for eight minutes in the second half. The rest was given to Thomas Kithier, I believe, in the second half. And listen, there's a lot of hatred towards specific players. Redirect that hatred, folks. Redirect that anger. They're not choose. They don't put themselves in. Okay, they they there are people that are paid a lot of money. These players are paid zero dollars, allegedly, and and there are coaches that are deciding, you know what? Let's put a six eight kid against a seven four kid and just see what happens. And this may shock you, didn't work. So redirect that anger is where I would say. Yeah, and I think. You know, there's no point in diving into the minutia of these games aside from what that you just you just said. Michigan State stinks. They're allocating their minutes poorly. They can't shoot. All hope apparently seems to be lost. Um, now, like you said, the hate's got to go somewhere. You can't just keep it all pent up inside. <laughs> this, um, is, this is this. It needs it needs to be directed at this coaching staff. And I said something on Twitter and got some interesting responses um, where I said, if this wasn't Tom Izzo, people would be begging, begging for heads to roll from this team. And I think it speaks to a couple things. I think, first of all, it speaks to the expectations that people should have of this program. We've talked about it before. Um, Expectations are a dangerous thing, but when you make the tournament 22 years in a row, win the Big Ten three years in a row, uh, Final Fours, et cetera, All-Americans, you've earned those expectations. Um, Created by this coaching staff. Created by this coaching staff. And because of that, this coaching staff should be held to a higher standard than people are holding them to right now. And, and it comes in two different avenues, right? There's recruiting and then there's development. Now, I think everybody is, you know, this, the, the popular thing that's emerged is I think is the 2018 class, that five-man class is now being looked at as just whiff after whiff after whiff. Uh, I mean, I believe that class was comprised of Marcus Bingham, Foster Lawyer, Kithier, Henry, and, and Gabe Brown. Right. Now, when you look at all of them separately, uh, aside from Aaron Henry. okay, let's look at it this way. From a recruiting perspective, I think it's fair to take some issue. I think it's fair to take issue with the lawyer and Kithier recruitments. I think the personal connection to Dane Fife's dad is something that obviously played somewhat of a role Mm -hmm. in especially in the uh, Kithier aspect of this whole thing, because they offered him as a sophomore. And I'm sorry. I I don't know if he was, he didn't even play his senior year. Um, So that one never really, that one didn't make sense to me at the time. The Foster one, I will take a half step back and somewhat excuse. If only because the kid was a assassin 
in high school. He was incredibly good. He beat out very good players for the Michigan, the state of Michigan player of the year due to average like 30 plus points. Like, well, and, and it's Austin, okay. And Austin, not just high school because, you know, there is a and good AAU. Argument. Yeah, exactly. There is a good argument that class A Michigan high school basketball has taken a step back because of school of choice. And that is probably true. Uh, it's just diluted the talent pool. AAU, he played in the Nike EYBL. They won their league. He was the best player on that team. They played some guys. So that that miss was AAU's a different game. I get that. But I'm, I'm not excusing it because you still need to be able to say, like, how does this work with my system and his sure. physical limitations? They thought it might. That's okay. But So that's a miss. But to your yeah. point, there were many misses. Well, the thing is, I also, again, if we're looking at this class, let's say you landed this five-man class this year. You can ask your questions about Kithier, make, you know, ask your questions about Lawyer. Again, both totally understandable. The other three, I don't think anybody would take issue with. If anybody's going to take issue with any of them sitting here today, it would have been recruiting Aaron Henry. And that has turned out to be easily the best player in this class. But like, I, I don't take issue at all, at all with with recruiting Marcus Bingham or Gabe Brown, because when you recruit them as a freshman, you think, okay, by the time they're juniors, we're going to have worked with them enough that their games are going to expand. The issue is that in those three years, neither of those guys have added a single thing to their game. And that to me is the, is the reason why none of this is working because in a five man class, to be honest with you, if you hit on three and whiff on two, that's, that's okay. I think most schools would be thrilled with those results. Um, obviously, standards a little higher at Michigan State, but I think the really disappointing part, again, is just that these dudes have simply not taken the steps that they've needed to take, and it's not because of a lack of opportunity. I mean, Gabe Brown's been playing consistent minutes since he was a freshman. Marcus Bingham should have redshirted, and I do think that alters the conversation because if he's a redshirt sophomore this year, I might feel, you know, you might feel a little bit differently about him, but he chose not to do that and then played a ton of minutes last year, has gotten plenty of opportunity this year. And I mean, you can't point to one area of his game that they've taken steps forward. And it's not, I mean, that class is, is kind of under the microscope right now for, for a good reason. But again, and we've harped on this so much, but like Rocket Watts has taken no step from year one to year two. Honestly, as as useful as I think Malik Hall is, I've seen no evolution in his game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julius Marble, I think, is again we've we've talked about him before too. But it, there's there's nothing growing internally on this team, and I think what it's showing is that everyone was so reliant on Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman to just be the pillars that held everything else, uh, everything up. And it's really coming back to kill them in ways that I think everybody expected this team to stay, take a step back, but to 10 and nine, to well, getting embarrassed, not just losing games, but getting embarrassed at home on the, wherever is to me, it's unacceptable. And again, I think if this team isn't Tom Izzo and a bunch of experienced assistant coaches, you'd have very real conversations and you may still about changes that need to be made because this is it. Frankly, I don't care how many championships you won before this year. It, it It's all about what have you done for me lately? And if you haven't done anything for me lately, uh, you know, I'm sorry. And now it's, it, it appears to be affecting the future too. Do you want to well, say something? 
Yeah, a handful of things. So first, I, I want to say, I want to get, get on the, I want to break your heart a bit more. I know you're upset, so I'm going to make you furious. Right. Last night you watched Trevion Williams Ugh. put 28 on every big's head uh, for Michigan State. Trevion Williams, Austin's favorite recruit, non-MSU recruit since, geez. It's been a while, man. Big and time crush of mine. Trevion Williams from Detroit, Henry Ford Academy, uh, had a Michigan State offer. Um, and and here's here's where it gets really tricky. And I don't know the exact ins and outs of this, but I'm not going to take a few leaps here to make you pretty upset for the sole purpose of making you upset. Fantastic. Trevion Williams um, did not get the knot. He chose Purdue. But I think part of the reason he may have chosen Purdue is because one Thomas Kithier took the scholarship at Michigan State, and Thomas Kithier was off that scholarship at Michigan State to help secure the foster lawyer commitment. I was having a, at least an acceptable morning. I want everyone to just lay, lay in that mud right now. Yeah, it's just horrible. I mean, you don't. And again, I've been, <laughs> we were ripped on. No, I'm gonna. I'll go in on Dane Fife though, because this is ridiculous. This is this is his doing, and all he's done throughout the last few years is not develop the players that he insisted on recruiting, and now, and all he did before this year was tweet. And so I'm just wondering, buddy, like, what do you do here? Like, what? What's going on? Like, where? Wh- show me your value. Where is it? Uh-huh. That's all I want. I, that's all I want. And then there's, it's very possible, if not likely, that I clearly do not know everything that he does. I'm sure he's done great stuff. I'm sure he's helped recruit other players. There's no doubt in my mind. The fact of the matter is, we know why those guys are here. The, it wasn't Tom Izzo's dad coaching Clarkston. It was, it was Dane Fife's. And so I just, I don't know that, that those types of misses. And honestly, I I do also think that it is worth as to, to somewhat put a, I guess, positive spin on it. Like it's not like Michigan state doesn't recruit these players, you know, somewhat consistently. It's not like they didn't, they don't hold on, John. I got to pause one second. All right, sorry, I'm back. I marked down when the gap was. I'll edit it out. Um, I forget where I was going with that. But any, anyways, the it's not like Michigan State hasn't survived whiffing on recruits before. They've lost kids early. They didn't expect to lose. Guys haven't evolved in the way before. I mean, look, you can go really far back and talk like Marquise Gray. Remember him? Mm-hmm. He was a five-star. He didn't exactly pan out. So um it's you know it's not unprecedented that this has happened i think especially as you look ahead to 2022 which brings us to another point um oh i'm not i'm not done yet oh we're not done okay well go ahead let's keep going down this toilet bowl you you mentioned uh cassius and xavier made up for a lot of wards but but i would also say that like 
Xavier Tillman's sophomore to junior year jump was massive. True. So, like, sure, Michigan State has gone through this in many years of, like, you lose your stud, who's going to be the guy? Denzel Valentine came out of nowhere. Not mm-hmm. nowhere, but he took a massive leap, you know? Bryn Forbes took a massive leap. You see it all the time. Matt McQuaid took a massive leap. Kenny Goins took a massive leap. They stepped up. Here's the difference, Austin. One senior on this team, a a guy who has, everyone will remind you on every broadcast, missed two years of basketball. He can't take Mm -hmm. them. There's your problem. There it is. Well, You're looking right at it. I mean, I agree with that, but it's not like those guys were all going to be seniors when they took those leaps. Obviously, several of them were, to your point, McQuaid, Goins. Uh, But like Denzel, I believe, was going into his junior season when he took that big step forward. And it's not necessarily fair to expect it to own. I mean, you're absolutely right, to your point, 100 percent correct. But this is where it all ties back to this team was counting on Rocket Watts to be that guy that took yep, that step. For a leap, right? To take a 100, leap. 100%. And honestly, it's in, I don't think there's anything that was wrong with that when people were all feeling that way. I certainly felt that way. I mean, the way he played in the second half of last year made it seem not only, you know, possible, but probable that he was going to be, you know, the engine that made this whole thing go. And mm-hmm. instead, you know, it's just not even close to that. And again, I'll I'll go to bat for him to a degree in that COVID didn't help. But at the same point in time, it, it's not like he's only gotten a little bit better. He's gotten so much worse to the point that to the point where I'm not convinced he's going to be on the team next year. And again, I, this it's I'm not. Maybe that's just being responsible of me throwing that out there. But uh-huh. to me. I don't know how he can look at the program, see the three guys that are coming in next year and Jay Nakins, Pierre Brooks and Max Christie, all three guys who need the ball and all three guys that are naturally better playmakers than him. I don't know how he can look at that and in after the year he's going through this year and feel like Michigan State is the place where he necessarily wants to be. Now, listen, if he gets a normal offseason under his belt, you know, he could become that player next year. And, and I hope if that happens, it's in green and white. But. I don't know. Like, I think Rocket Watts needs a fresh start. Well, you're right. Somewhere else. Here's the question you have to ask yourself. What role is he going to, are they going to ask him to play? And who's going to change first? Rocket Watts or Tom Izzo? Right. We all know the answer to that. So if Rocket Watts can't become what Tom Izzo wants, rightly or wrongly, rightly or wrongly, it's not going to work. So that's that's my thought on him. And to your point about Fife and and the the assistant coaching staff, can't, the can't read can't write podcast um, tweeted something last night that I, that I was like, damn, yep. If this was a football team, a coordinator would be fired. Fact. It's a good I don't point. care who it is. Someone's heads. Someone's got to go. And and I'm not saying that. It's and it's not a football team. And I'm not advocating for someone to be fired. I'm just saying. In the other revenue sport, if things are this bad, regardless of how long people have been there, that's just how it works. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm not saying that's going to happen. I, I just I thought that was an interesting comment. No, it's 100. I think that's 100 percent accurate. It's tougher to do on a basketball team, yeah. I think, just because there's fewer coaches to fire. But um, 
I don't disagree. And I, and I got people to push back on me when I said that I think somebody would, that a similar conversation would and should probably be had. And people are like, well, this team just won the big 10 three years in a row. It's like, we don't do that. We're not doing that. This is Michigan state. If you want to be a big boy and you want to claim blue blood, you want to say all these things that we all like to say, then you have to hold up. You have to hold the bag on the other side of that. And you you know what I mean? Yeah. And we'll see, you know, everyone gets a grace here. Everyone. You know, D'Antonio got a grace here, you know, all of he, everything he did. Right. And then it didn't work again. And then that was it. Right. So, uh, you know, you, you see what happens next year and then you reevaluate. Right. And, And that's all you can do because while this year isn't over, there have been a lot of broken teams that have figured it out. This team has nothing to figure out. They they are they are what they are. This isn't a chemistry issue. They're just simply not as talented as the teams they're playing. Well, so it's a, it's a it's a talent issue. It's a talent it, issue. It's a fit issue. It's a motivation issue. It's a it's it's every issue you can have is rolled into one team. And it, I think the most disappointing part of this whole thing is just that like there's it's not even like you're patching up one hole and having another one and sprouting another leak you know what i mean you're you're not even patching up one hole like they they don't have the ability to patch anything like nothing has changed and that's the part to me it's every night out it's the same thing over and over i i make the mistake of like recording the games and sometimes like (laughs) as you know i found myself laying on the ground and this one you know how that happens to me laying there staring at the ceiling uh that one happened and i'll pause the game because sometimes i need a breath like i'll be like i'll get so like upset it just and it's upset over stupid stupid shit dude and it's like every i would say 50 i'm not over exaggerating i would say 50 percent of the offensive possessions you could spend you could spend five minutes in a uh film session going through the it's triage i mean it is insanity how many bad things happen and you're like i don't even know where to begin to your point about plugging holes this isn't like a man this team just needs to rebound and run this it, or right. this team just needs you know to do to figure out how to do this and, and it's going to help you know, fill a lot of the gaps every possession is a new nightmare and you're like you don't even know where to begin and that's where you've seen Tom stop yelling. He's not yelling. And that the old adage about like, you know, if the coach stops yelling, it means, you know, it, it's, it's not worth it. I'm not saying he's saying this team isn't worth it. It's just that type of energy. It doesn't work with this team. They're, they are, he knows his product is under par and yelling at them. Is it going to fix it? Because also, and here's the most damning thing. This is me, old man, yelling at Cloud. There are only two kids on this team that can handle that type of feedback that Tom usually provides, his coaching style. Aaron Henry and Malik Hall. The rest of this roster can't handle it. They they become mentally broken when they are criticized like that. You see it with Joey Hauser. He threw the ball away with the second to last possession down five, the chance to cut it to two or three with a minute and a half left threw the ball out of bounds. Yep. Tom lays into him the very next possession. He throws the ball away again. He can't handle it. 
you look Rocket Watts. Last year, he had the longest leash of any freshman in MSU history. I mean, do you remember Miles Bridges getting just reamed as a freshman? Oh, yeah. Do you know why Rocket Watts can't didn't get reamed? Can't handle it. It's not type of coaching style. He can't handle getting that yelled like that. That's so like, and that's okay. It's good for Tom to understand that. But that also means that they don't have the kind of OKG, our kind of guy, Michigan State staple that has kind right. of made MSU grit and grind out every 50-50 ball, which MSU didn't get against Purdue. They didn't. Cre- they don't create any of their own luck. It's because they're just. I hate to say it. They're just not. They're not tough, dude. And that's old man of me. But like, they're not. Well, and when you come, when <laughs> that goes back to recruiting, you know, I, again, I, it's evaluation of some of these guys mentally. I think that mental level of toughness has always been a staple at Michigan State. And that's why when times get tough, they figure shit out. And you're just not seeing that from this group, which is concerning for a handful of reasons. I mean, it, it makes you question, you know, the guys that they're going at on the trail, you know, are we looking for the right things anymore? And again, we're probably extrapolating on the issue of because course. at the end of the day, like this team want, is a three-time defending champion. Like, yep. you know, we're probably making a bigger deal out of this than it needs to be for this exact, you know, situation. But it's it's just shocking to see it all coming together at the same time, night in, night out, and they're just not doing it. So I, I will be very interested to see what this roster looks like next year. I mean, you know, I just don't know. I mean, between guys that just don't have it mentally and then the guys that do have it, or excuse me, the guys that just don't have it physically have it mentally and then vice versa. So it's just, you you have to wonder like what, what nets out here Um, and who is, who's the voice. I mean, honestly, like you look at next year's roster, who is that, who is that guy? Who's that leader? Who's that voice? Is it, is it Joey Hauser? I don't think it's Joey Hauser. Is it Malik Hall? Is it, you know, Julius Marble? Is it, I mean, who is it? No. Like, under the assumption, I mean, obviously, you're losing Josh Langford. Aaron Henry, I think, for all intents and purposes, should be probably counted as gone. Is it Foster Lawyer? I mean, is it, who, is it A.J. Hogard? Like, what's the deal? I, 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 that's, what, that's what concerns me about next year. I think talent and fit next year will solve a lot, and I mean a lot, if not all of Michigan State's issues. I genuinely believe that with those three wings that they're bringing in. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not even talking about Imani Bates, who would single-handedly correct everything that's wrong. Um, this team should get sign- see significant ge- just improvement right off the bat. Again, assuming this coaching staff plays the right players in the right places, which apparently is now something we have to worry about. But I'm just interested to see you know, if guys do end up um, transferring, leaving to go play professionally somewhere. I just wonder how it all ends up shaking out. It's going to be for better or worse. I mean, I'm skipping ahead. I'm I'm skipping ahead to the off season. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, oh, captains need to be as we keep saying MSU term OKGs. Malik Hall's an OKG. Julius Marvel's an OKG. It's about it. They don't. I don't know. Like. They are, in my opinion, the only candidates for captain. And, mm-hmm. and Marvel doesn't even get the minutes this year. So, you know, I, 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 that's for me. There, there's your leadership. That's who's going to be. And because all the seniors you mentioned, I, I mean, Gabe Brown at least leads by example. 
you know, he goes and shoots after each game, which is you know, just good, nice. Yeah, you put, it would be nice you, to see that translate to the actual games. Yep, totally. But lead by example, that's fine. The core you're talking about, though, Aikens, Christie, Brooks, those guys are dogs. And when they grow up, I think you're going to see Michigan State take the leap. One guy who won't be growing up with them, though, and I and mm. I know pushing to to get this because it's huge news. Um, MSU loses a 2022 potentially 2021 commit um, this past week. You want to dive in? Yeah. So that's uh, Canadian center Enoch Boache. And to your point, John, he is a 2022 commit, but he has been very clear about his intentions to reclassify to 2021. So you're talking about a five-star probable one and done center mm-hmm. who at one point was committed to MSU um, and is, is now kind of a, is now a free agent. Um, and one of the things he cited was that, that there are, it looks like Michigan State is going to have a lot of bigs coming back and he wants to go somewhere where he can play and be the star of the show. I think it's a cop out because I think that he just probably missed it. Let me just, you know, kind of break down what he said. On one side of it, I see what he's saying. Maddie Sissoko, Julius Marble, yeah. Kithier, Hauser are all going to be on that roster. Potentially even Imani Bates. It would probably cut into, um, you know, cut into his minutes to some degree. I, he's not wrong about there being a log jam, but that was true when he committed. I mean, yeah. that, you know, I mean, the, the only guy that I think was probably going to leave that mix was, oh, and Bingham too. The only guy who's probably going to leave that mix was Joey Hauser. So I think that's a cop out. I think that's one of those things where he saw Imani Bates committed and he was like, oh, I want to play with Imani Bates and I'm yep. willing to do this competition stuff. Now he sees, uh, never mind, that Hauser guy's probably sticking around. Maybe some of these guys transfer, but still, it's not a clear cut picture. So he, he bails and wants to go somewhere else. I can't blame him for it. Makes sense. I think the only, I mean, you can't blame him for it at all. Like he's, he's an 18 year old kid. I wish his team would have handled the messaging a little bit better and just been like, Hey, it's, you know, I, you know, I just want to be the star somewhere. I guess he kind of did say that, but um, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's an interesting domino effect of Hauser not having the year that people expected him to have. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if all, all it's very possible, all, all of those guys are back, but I, I don't know if that'll be the case, but you can't really predict that right now. I think it's, it's a big deal because it's a really big player and it comes at a time when, you know, things look as bad for Michigan state as they've ever looked under Tom Izzo more or less. Um, so from a PR perspective, it's scary. And I think for a lot of people, it's a scary, what people could envision being a domino for Imani Bates. Now there's nothing, literally nothing that makes that Imani has said that anyone has done aside from, if you want to get into the Jaden Akins thing, um, that makes you think he's going to go anywhere else or do anything else. I mean, all the things we've talked about for months since the day he committed still stand true. Um, that being said, I think that's, what's really scaring people here. So, uh, I don't, I mean, it's, it, it sucks. It's five-star player. You never want to lose that type of player, but, um, here's the deal. See. When he signed or when he, sorry, didn't sign, when he committed it, I don't know what the thought process was because there was, it, it's just math. 
there's there's 13 scholarships available. Right. There's no room. There's nothing that Michigan State can do to all of a sudden make room for a guy reclassifying for the 2021. As of next year, there are 15 scholarships on Michigan State's roster if Amani Bates were to reclassify. Let's pretend Aaron Henry goes pro. It's 14. Let's say Amani Bates didn't reclassify. Still 13. Still no room for him. So, like, I, I guess I never understood. You know, of course you're going to offer him and you say, we'll figure it out later. But there was never an opening. So I'm not I'm just like kind of scratching my head, like how, you know, it, it's February and he and his team are like, wait a minute. It's like, well, <laughs> what did you think? You know, what, what was going to change? Was Marcus Bingham going to go pro? Where? Estonia? Like right. that? Like yeah. It just wasn't going to happen. So I don't know what the thought process was. And, you know, we had talked about maybe Rocket Watts or Joey Hauser go pro. And sure. Even if those things happen, as we mentioned, and, and Amani Bates, you know, comes in, it, it's just it's confusing math. So I just I don't know what was communicated to him as far as like guaranteeing a spot. I don't I don't know how it would have worked. So. Yeah, I mean, that's. It's all true. It's all true. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, people want to make a big deal out of it. And it's understandably a big deal. It is a big deal because he's probably going to go somewhere. I've read Texas Tech, Oklahoma State are all over him. Exactly the type of places he could go start and be a star. But um, Oklahoma yeah, State, I, Cade Cunningham bag. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Who's um, there? Who's our dude? That billionaire. Oh, T-Boone Pickens. Oh, T-Boone, baby. R.I.P. Right, that man left. T Boone left the bag. Don't worry. I'm sure he left plenty of of baggable income uh, for his T-Boon for his squad. Is one of the few people that chills at Ishbia's table. Like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Ishbia's pulling up the little boy's t- chair to to the to the T Boone table. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, we need Ishbia's got to name a full stadium after himself before he uh, gets into T Boone's. Um, Stat, uh, stratosphere. All right, John, should we take a break and come yes. back and talk some football? Okay. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And we're back. And we're a football school. No, no, and no. we've got players breaking the law already. Austin, wait. A true football school. Wait a sec. Someone asked the question, what school are we? Because we're not a basketball school this year. And my thought, you know, we might be a Matt Ishbia appreciation school. <laughs> Until... Until his investment starts to pay off in either of the programs he's invested. <laughs> That's fine with me. I'm in all. I'm on the all Ishbia program train. <laughs> yeah, things things uh, you mentioned breaking the law. Um, <laughs> Jaden Reed got an owie 
OWI this past summer. Um, played in all seven games. Listen, I don't love I, it. I don't know what happened. Hey, but this is one of those deals. We've talked about it time and time again. You want to sit at the big boy table. You're going to have to put your morals aside a, a time or two. And in this case, uh, obviously, okay, before I go any further, there are things you should not put your morals aside for. We are very familiar with those at Michigan State. I don't want to mix anybody up here. Jaden Reed pleading uh, not guilty to an owie this past summer, yet playing in all seven games is just like just a nice dash of big time college football programness that's been brought to East Lansing. Yeah, I believe in OWI. Um, it was reduced potentially because he uh, blew under the legal limit, but wasn't 21. So, mm. um, you know, take that for what it is. It's not great. It's not good. Okay. Certainly not good. Um, so don't love that. Gonna no. Pretty clear. That sucks. I hope that in the future, at the very least, it comes out so that there can be public backlash to these decisions yes. in the moment, not after. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. You can get OWIs on bikes. You can. Um, I learned that um, while at Michigan State. Didn't get an owie of my own, but um, yeah, I was informed as I tried to bike. And it's a lot harder than you think. Landed in some bushes and had to leave leave that bike behind. Never saw it again. Uh, <laughs> it's a real shame. Didn't mean to bring up such trauma. No, it's okay. It's just you think that you think, you know, you ride a bike. You know how you're doing. I know how to do this. Yeah, it's, it's oh, a lot harder. It's the old after saying. After you've had a few uh, silver bullets, <laughs> it becomes a whole tap. After you, after you after you've tapped the Rockies, people <laughs> tend to forget <laughs> riding don't a bike. This is at home. Um, so we don't like that. However, things I think we do like are that the transfer portal. Listen, it might not be bad. It's not basketball season. It's not football season yet, but it is transfer portal season, baby. And I am. So that that whole part about Jaden Reed, that's the part of big boy football you don't like. The part of big boy football that I'm enjoying quite a bit is the transfer portal. Free agency, it, all for it. It's been a lot of fun. MSU landed maybe their most important, honestly, yes. get in the transfer portal just last week in former four-star recruit Florida cornerback Chester Kimbrough. First note, awesome name. Yep. Awesome name. Maybe name, but he's in the running for the best name on the entire roster. All name team. Right off the bat. Chester Kimbrough. Fantastic. Second important note. He is not, I repeat, not the guy who threw his shoe and lost the game against Louisiana State. That's a big deal. Very big deal. Although if he was, I think I'd like it too. So whatever. True. I'd actually be more in. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this guy... um, you mentioned played at Florida uh, the past couple of years. He had offers from Alabama, Georgia. Um, I can stop right there because, <laughs> like, I mean, uh, LSU. Um, yeah, all, all of the names you'd like to hear someone Texas. get recruited, being recruited by, he was recruited by. Yeah, pretty cool. I, I think it's gr- I think it's great, and I I really love what this kind of symbolizes, and it's that. MSU 
it obviously wants to increase just the athleticism and general talent on the roster. First of all, they've, they've already done a fantastic job of doing that through recruiting and through the portal. Kimbrough is a perfect example of the type of player that they want to go again, they go and get. And I think this was Colton Pouncey wrote about it in the athletic two important revelations from his article. First is that they want to, the guys they're targeting in the portal now, obviously they'll go anywhere. I mean, Kendall Brooks is a D2 guy. They, they'll obviously go anywhere and get anybody, but really their main targets would be guys like Kimbrough who are at positions of need, SEC guys with that top level talent that were at positions that were over-recruited. So guys that are transferring, not because they're not talented, but I read in, in I believe it was in Colton's article that I think uh, it's not that Kimbrough, A, he played, and then B, there's like 11 former four-star defensive back recruits on Florida's roster. So it's oh, not like nice. he pushed out by no, yeah, seriously. It's not like he got pushed out by nobodies. Um, so I think that's big as well. And I think, um, I mean, just to, to stay on Kimbrough for a second before we talk about, you know, the other positions MSU might look to fill, um, you just got a starter at corner. I mean, uh-huh. you, there's at a position maybe that you needed more than any, any other, uh, yes. you just got a starter. So now with, with obviously still work to be done, but you, you start to feel a little bit better about the secondary when you see Kimbrough, Kalon Gervin, Michael Dowell, Xavier Henderson as kind of like the main names uh, that are in there, obviously along with young guys like Darius Snow, Chuck Brantley, Angelo Gross, you know, some guys that you've seen things from already. Um, it's at least becoming a little bit more comfortable I think there's still some some things that need to be done there. But mm-hmm. to that point, turns out MSU still has eight spots they can use to add bodies before this fall to last year's class. Because apparently you're able – it's a fascinating article. You guys should read it if you don't, if you haven't. You can basically backdate recruits to previous classes in order to have more spots open up in your current class which is why sneaky sis real sneaky i like it a lot so um kimbrough is counting because of when he committed is counting towards the fall class whereas a lot of these other guys uh kenneth walker some of those other guys uh that have already jared horst are counting towards last year's class so because they're counting towards um but point of the matter is there are eight spots left that msu can fill that's a lot like Mm -hmm. that's that's a lot of uh, potential additional talent that you can add to this roster. And if they actually do it, I think I read that like 35 to 40% of the roster will be completely new from, from last year, the beginning of last year to the beginning of this year. And that is like, you want to jumpstart a program. I mean, it would, it would be tough to drop a better blueprint than the one that Mel Tucker has executed on, especially I mean, assuming he's able to execute on it, especially given uh, COVID and everything. So um, super exciting. And I did, John, I did sketch out some names and positions of players that I, I did a little uh, tour into the transfer portal and, and found some interesting names that we yeah. might be able to add. I'm, it's cool you went in the transfer portal. I've always been afraid to go in there. Don't know what to, I'm still just hesitant. It's nerd. I'm, I'm just like, you know, a little shy. You're not ready. I'm glad you went in. I, you know, I think what I'm most interested in, though, is there's some pretty substantial upgrades needed at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Where do you think we stand in that area? So I think when you look at the positions of need, 
you know, I think D, DB is still one, even with Kimbrough, but the number one to me, like you said, is absolutely linebacker. Uh, Noah Harvey and Chase Klein right now are the current starters. I think Klein's got some real potential. Uh, Harvey obviously leaves a lot to be desired, but neither of those guys are natural fits in what I, in that kind of four, two, five that MSU runs with that one, you know, Michael Dowell probably coming down as kind of that Jack or a hybrid role. Um, you need guys that can get sideline to sideline. And both of these dudes are probably more classic four or three linebackers. Klein even came down and played defensive end for, for several snaps last year. So, uh, and the year before. So, it's not that they're not talented guys. It's just that you need a different type of athlete to execute this system because going side to side, I think the example that I think of more than anything is when they played Iowa and Iowa just ran that outside zone every single play and Uh Harvey was three steps behind every single play. Um, So the names that I look at, I think we'll start with the most obvious one. And that's yeah. uh, (laughs) Palai Gaioteote. You'll probably recognize that last name unless I butchered it. Uh, his brother Ma'a was probably Michigan State's biggest recruit of this last cycle. Uh, four-star flip from USC. His brother um, was a five-star commit to USC who has entered the transfer portal. Uh, he's taken his time, which you can certainly appreciate. There are some other big names in the mix for him. I mean, I think he was a top 10 overall kid. So uh, the fact that he he's getting offers shouldn't surprise or concern anybody. But, you know, having his brother in East Lansing, Kind of a big deal. You got to think it keeps Michigan State in the race. Uh, he would be plug and play starter, potentially right next to his brother from day one. Would be a massive get. Some other names to note. Um, one of them is Ben Davis from Bama. I think anytime a player transfers from Bama, your your antenna has to go up because you you don't go there in the first place without being a pretty damn good player and a physical specimen. So. Um, Ben Davis was, I think, a top five recruit. His dad is the all-time leading tackler at Bama. Just never panned out for whatever reason. You know, again, this is kind of like Kimbrough where he's surrounded by five-star talent. Yeah, he couldn't, you know, get to the playing group as consistently as he wanted to, but it's not because a bunch of bums beat him out. Um, we're talking about guys that are consistently – I mean, I bet he's played with 10 NFL players at his own position group. Um, so that would be, you got to think all the big boys are going to come calling for him, but if he wants opportunity in a guaranteed spot, MSU is the place to be three other names that popped out at me. Uh, a really interesting one is Ben Van Samarin. He's from Michigan. He's transferring from the university of Michigan and has a younger brother who just decommitted from the university of Michigan. Uh, he's already said that MSU is in his final four, I think with, they want to say West Virginia, Arizona, and Indiana, I believe were the other three. Um, be the very rare, if only that I can remember Michigan to Michigan state or vice versa transfer. But, uh, if he wants to stay in state and have a chance to get back at me. Missouri, again, just kind of reading the tea leaves there. Two really talented players, Peterson, especially from Tennessee. He's he left because, um, obviously there was the coaching change there uh, and a lot of their best players left. So any of those five would make great additions. Uh, you know, obviously no real read on the likelihood. It's a chance though, because of the brother connection, but he's not, the, it's not the only position, um, that MSU is going to need help at. I think the next one up to me would be defensive back. 
three players I noted that I thought would make sense for Michigan State. First is Drayshon Miller. Yeah, actually, tremendous name. Again, tremendous name. Um, he's been followed by all the MSU social accounts. He's a 6'2 corner from West Virginia. I think he would be just the one-year grad transfer, but um, would be an immediate impact. I'd be shocked if he wouldn't be a starter. He fits that physical profile that uh, Mel Tucker and his staff love. So that would be a great one. Uh, two other names that jumped out at me, another corner, Colin Samuel from Houston. Again, I think he was a 6'2", 6'3 guy. Um, not sure about his stats or anything like that, but just from a physical profile jumped out at me. And then Isaiah Robertson from Notre Dame, a guy who I think played somewhat, was at least in somewhat of a rotation at Notre Dame. Um, he is obviously a guy regionally that MSU is surely familiar with and um, plays a position of need. Again, I believe a grand transfer. I don't know how many multiple years these guys would have, but um, three names to keep an eye out there as well. What else we got? Two other position groups I highlighted would be, I'm going to do them in order of priority. I think the next one for me is wide receiver, which people might be a little surprised by, but it's just a really thin group right now. And there's plenty of talent. This one is not necessarily for a lack of having guys to throw the ball to. I think, you know, you, you only have nine current guys, but you know, between Ricky white, Jalen Naylor, Jaden Reed, Keon Coleman, Terry Lockett, Trey Mosley, CJ Hayes. I mean, there's a lot of big time names in that group, but it wouldn't hurt to add one more, uh, especially an actual big body because of all of those names, you know, they're great. Again, I think they're going to be really talented players. You don't really have like a guy that's a six, three, you know, kind of throw the ball up to dude. And there's two guys that have transferred in Warren Thompson from Florida state and D Anderson from Oklahoma state guys from big programs. Again, really talented position groups at both of those schools. Um, both, I think over six, three, I think D Anderson's like six, five would just bring a different element, especially now that Trayvon Morgan has transferred. Another one to keep your eye on is Rashawn Williams from IU. He is transferring. Uh, he's from Detroit, former four-star recruit from Detroit, Martin Luther King. Um, whenever guys are transferring and you're in the home state, you got to think there's an angle that you could play there. If you're MSU, um, he's not the big, uh, type of receiver like Thompson or Anderson, but he is a guy that I think, you know, obviously would appeal to Michigan state if they wanted to use one of those spots for a receiver. And now if you're down to three or four spots, if MSU only had that, I would leave a receiver out, but just because I think there's, there's an, if you have an opportunity to add a big time playmaker, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. Rashawn Williams did have an MSU offer back, um, when he was a recruit so uh which was i think 2020 actually so um yeah certainly some of the the staff um or at least the program is familiar with yeah and he's probably going to feel that energy that's come from this new staff and a lot of it's a different group that's recruiting him now than was recruiting him then if he was two years ago you're getting recruited by kind of like a you know a, a lame duck coach and now you're you're at the beginning of something so maybe a different message works for him last position group I wanted to note was the defensive line. Now, there is no shortage of bodies on Michigan State's defensive line, but yeah. the short on is kind of explosion. Yeah. And I think there are four names out there that I thought were at least interesting and kind of fit the the mold. The first is Isaac Townsend. He's a recruit who was committed to Oregon. Main reason I chose him as a guy to keep an eye on, 6'6". Six, six. He's got the build. He's, he's the prototype 
Uh, Mel Mel Tucker is like, he just, he sorts by height in the transfer portal. That's what I did. So uh, I would expect him to do something very similar. Um, So that one jumped out at at me for sure. Another one would be Trey Lawson, who is another big dude from Mississippi State. Again, no shame. You're an SEC school on a D-line. There's no chumps going to any of those any of those schools at that position. So Mississippi State owes us a not just a defensive lineman. They owe us an SEC Player of the Year. Absolutely phenomenal point. Phenomenal point by you. Yeah, we look. We we lost we lost Montez Sweat to a really dumb because he was smoking marijuana. Which if that happened today, would have been legal. Ah, brutal. And then he become has he in how many all pro all pro uh, pro balls has he been in now? Yeah, too many. Cool. Um, so. See your point, Trey Lawson would really get us back on the on even footing with the other MSU. He's 6'6", 240. Again, nothing wrong with adding that. Um, other guy to keep an eye on from an SEC program is Julius Coates. He's 6'6", 289 from Arkansas. I mean, again, if we're just looking at size, prototype, over-recruited at a great position at a good school, these are the types of guys you want to keep an eye on. One defensive tackle to keep an eye on is Nelson Jenkins, again, out of LSU. Kind of same deal, um, over-recruited at a great position, D-line at LSU. Yeah, I'll take your backups. That's fine. Um, <laughs> the last name to keep an eye on I thought was interesting is – people might remember this name of Duran Irving Bay. Yeah. Uh, former Michigan commit, transferred to Central Michigan, back in the portal for a, for a second time. Um, I know MSU was recruiting him very hard once upon a time. He's from the city of Detroit. Uh and listen, if he wants to go do the full celebrate the state round trip, uh, MSU would be the logical <laughs> final landing place. I think, um, yeah, I think he's from yeah. Flint. And yeah, he was a U.S. Oh, yeah. Army All American Bowl selection. Like this guy was a big time recruit, if I remember correctly, top 250. Um, yep. I do appreciate his his commitment to the Mitten State if he were it. to <laughs> Michigan State. Yeah, so so lots of names out there. Um, definitely, you know, uh, these are just the names that I picked kind of following and reading the tea leaves. I guarantee there are many, many more that MSU is actually looking into. But like I, said, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a name or two here that actually ends up at MSU. If I were going to put any type of odds on any of them, I would keep a very close eye on Gauteote and Sumerian at linebacker and Van Sumerian at linebacker. Um, and Drayshon Miller at corner. Those are the three that that really jump out at me as le- there's legitimate interest from Michigan State. Um, and you might be looking at three starters. I mean, that's I think that's probably the most exciting part as yeah. an MSU fan is that you're not just adding bodies here, which if they do, great. That, nothing wrong with functional depth. You can never have too many good players. But you might not just get that we could legitimately be talking about of these eight guys that they could go get, you, you could be talking about four or five starters. I mean, it's very, very possible. And I think depending on how the rest of the summer goes, you know, cause we're sitting here in February, typically, you know what that roster is going to look like right in the fall. You kind of get a vibe for like, all right, here's where I think we're going to be. Uh, I mean, I, I, MSU has the chance to add significant upside to their season. If they're able to, to handle the rest of this um, summer the right way. 
I mean, there's already a chance, Austin, that six of the 22 you know, positions will be filled by a transfer. I mean, yeah. between between and, and it's not locked in, but all of these teams or excuse me, all of these players will be competing for the, the first reps. Anthony Russo, definitely competing for it. Harold Joyner, definitely. Kenneth Walker, definitely. Um, Jared Horse, definitely. Drew Jordan, why not? Um, Chester Kimbrough, as we talked about, probably. Don't know about Kendall Brooks. Um, but I just listed off with seven, eight. I think at least six of them are going to be competing for that first first reps. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's very, I think all the names you, I don't think players are coming to Michigan State to not start right yeah, now. Exactly. It's just that's the state of the program. I'm sure that's the message that they're hearing when MSU guys are calling them. Um, yeah, I don't think that players are coming here to not play. I mean, you heard Chester Kimbrough say Michigan State's got a ton of opportunity. That's why I'm going there. He's very yeah. blunt about it. Jared Horst just said the same thing. Um, I want to work with their offensive line coach, Kapilovich, and I can start from day one. I mean, that's why Anthony Russo's here. Like that, mm-hmm. That's why these guys are coming to school here because they want to play. And that's why I love their strategy. Go get guys that were clearly talented, are clearly talented players that were over-recruited, went somewhere in a big class and not that they can't play, but they're just getting pushed back because there's these super talented guys. Nothing wrong with that. It's a great way to add a lot of talent to a program. And I think that, listen, if they can find a couple of line, if they can get one really good linebacker and one more really good defensive back, I, I think you start not getting, you know, Michigan State's not going to win the big 10. Don't, I'm not saying anything like that, but, you start to think like, okay, they can actually be a pretty competitive program this fall. What that ends up with in terms of wins and losses is, you know, not going to say that today, but um, you put yourself in a, in a really good position and you make yourself a very attractive destination for future transfers and for kids in these future recruiting classes. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We know what we have. It's fun to not know what we have. Because- oh yeah. Oh, this day, this is the best time of year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the offseason, I see what Michigan fans have been experiencing all this time. It's got to be great. Um, <laughs> all right, John, that's all I got. You got anything else? No, here's to me not laying on the floor anymore. Yes, yeah. basketball. Stay, stay seated. Stay seated. <laughs> that's we've the passed, goal. We've passed that point. It's, it's, it's all over but the crying. Just don't cry. <laughs> all right, man. All right, guys. Well, thanks as always for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin, and we will catch you next time. See you.